Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I got to move on here because Chris Mannix is on the line. Reports that uh, it's already guaranteed. So let's do that. Let's go to our guy, Chris Mannix, on the Harbor One hotline now of Sports Illustrated. Chris, we were talking about this game in particular, obviously the fourth quarter. And I was saying how I was really surprised to see what I, what looked like to me like a Golden State team Desperate threes, shoulders shrugged, and it seemed like the Celtics just took their will there in the fourth. Well, the Celtics took away like, the three-point line was big for Golden State in the first quarter, mm-hmm. in the first half in general. Um, but mixed in there, I thought the Celtics did a really good job taking away everything inside the three-point line. And when that three-point shooting cooled off in the second half for Golden State – they didn't really have anything to fall back on. They weren't getting a lot of you know easy opportunities at the rim. It was a lot of mid-range stuff. Um, they did have a whole bunch of second-chance points. That was a problem for the Celtics um, for most of the game. But Boston overall did a really good job at defending inside the line. And you know, as good a three-point shooting team as Golden State is, if you you know send them into kind of a rut, you can defend them. And that's what Boston did. In addition to the great offense in the fourth quarter. That three-point shooting cooled off for the Warriors, and because the Celtics were so good throughout at defending inside the arc, um, they were able to limit them what they did offensively. So it's it it really was a, a pretty you know as as hot as Golden State got early on. Mm-hmm. I thought the Celtics' game plan defensively was really sound. So Chris, you know, were you surprised that um, um, Marcus Smart spent a big chunk of, of of the time on the bench in the fourth quarter? And if you are, uh, why do you think that was the case? No, you look. You ride the hot hands, and it, in the, this case, it wasn't necessarily the hot hands of Peyton Pritchard and Derek White. It was the defensive effort that they were making. Look, Marcus Smart's the Defensive Player of the Year, but I thought Derek White did a fantastic job on Steph Curry uh, defensively, especially in that fourth quarter. Derek White is not as physical as Marcus Smart, but he's kind of I don't know, pest like natty, if you will. Like he just he just hangs around. He's always kind of in uh, in the airspace of Steph Curry. I thought he did a better job in uh, in game one of defending Steph. So when Pritchard kind of has it going with the shot and is playing some pretty good defense, and Derek White, who has had it going from the shot for what three games now, mm-hmm. um, and is playing good defense, you know, it, it's kind of if it ain't broke, you don't fix it, and. Uh, there was no need for Emilio Doka to go back to Marcus Smart until later in the quarter. I got to ask, because of that first quarter, uh, Steph Curry going off with 21 points, uh, what were the adjustments that you credit the Celtics with making 
that had him scoreless in the second quarter because that first quarter was just kind of like it was it was mind-boggling to watch you know Marcus Smart defensive player of the year get completely blindsided by a pick from you know Looney and and to see Curry wide open practically at the three-point line at times yeah it, it didn't feel like a specific adjustment I just thought they got sharper with their defense I mean yeah they, they were you know, some of the shots Steph was making that first quarter was shaking my head because he was wide open. And mm-hmm. if your game plan is to leave Steph Curry wide open, that's a terrible game plan. So it just seemed like they cleaned up some things in the second quarter on. And again, I credit Derek White, who's a little bit more slippery defensively than Marcus is. Marcus is bigger, stronger, more physical, can guard a wider array of positions. But Derek White has shown in these playoffs, and in that game one in particular, that you know he can just get around these screens and he could slip through them at times and and just be a little bit more versatile as he was in that first game. So I, I don't know that it was – the Celtics aren't going to change their defensive philosophy. They are what they are. They switch everything and they, um, and they play with the level of physicality that most teams don't. But I just thought they got a lot sharper in that second quarter on and got in the airspace of Steph Curry and forcing him to drive. And, look, he made some spectacular shots at the rim as well. I mean, circus shots he was making – at the rim, but if you can make Steph play off the dribble, uh, you're going to have a lot more success. He's Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated joining us on the Harbor One Hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at, at SI Chris Mannix. Chris, i got to ask you about Jason Tatum. 3 for 17 from the floor, but 13 assists and 2 turnovers. What did you think, other than maybe just a sign of maturity, maybe from Jason Tatum, what did you think of his night? Well, he certainly looked rattled early on. You look at his first two shots, there was one that was really short-rimmed. Another was an air ball. Uh, he looked like a superstar playing in his first NBA Finals. And, and we've seen that in the past. I mean, I, I keep going back to 10 years ago when Oklahoma City played in the Finals, and they were a loaded team full of young players, and they looked rattled in that playoff series uh, against Miami. Uh, Tatum looked rattled early on. Now, Golden State, just like Miami did, in the last round, built their defense around defending Tatum. Like, they were throwing junk defenses at him. They were sending soft double teams at him. They wanted to get the ball out of Tatum's hands. And I think, to his credit, he wasn't forcing a lot. Now, 3 for 17 is a bad number, but it's a lot better than, like, 4 for 26, which he easily could have gone if he was a little bit too overly aggressive and shot through some double teams and took contested shots. Instead... Tatum chose to move the basketball. I mean, the fourth quarter, he had zero points, but he only took three shots. I think he was, what, like a plus 40 or something like that? In, in, I mean, he was, he was an absurd number, plus 29 or whatever it was in that fourth quarter, and I give him credit for that. He kept the ball moving and got the ball into the hands of guys that were more open. Now, Tatum's going to make adjustments. He's got two days in between. I saw his personal trainers out here, Drew Hanlon. I'm sure they're going to be in the gym working on some adjustments, whether it's shooting more floaters and and kind of taking the shots that Golden State's willing to give you. But I wasn't disappointed in the game that, that Jason Tatum plays. There, there, there are several ways a player of Tatum's caliber can have an impact on the game, and I thought he did that with his playmaking in that fourth quarter. So we're talking to Chris Menace, and Chris, Grant Williams was my X factor, <laughs> and I'm feeling like uh, he's just not as needed as he is in this series as he was the last two. What do you think it, it looks like for Grant Williams moving forward? Well, Grant's going to have to make open shots. I I was talking to an assistant coach from a team that played Golden State um, 
during these playoffs. And the one thing he told me was, you know, the way Golden State's defense operates, somebody out there is going to be wide open consistently. That's just they tend to leave at least one guy wide open with the way their defense moves. Derek White kind of benefited from that in game one. And Grant Williams, when it becomes him, as it actually was in that Milwaukee series, if you remember, they were leaving Grant wide open. He's got to make shots. Now, I don't disagree with you that he's less relevant in this series because Golden State's more of a finesse team. You know, the last two rounds, they were brutal. I mean, Milwaukee, physical. Miami, physical. And Grant Williams thrives in those circumstances. Um, the Warriors can be physical. Draymond's physical. Kevon Looney is physical. But they're nowhere near as, as grinded out as some of these other teams are. So in the case of Grant Williams, sometimes you're going to want to play guys with a little more defensive versatility, who, who kind of slip screens a little bit more. But where Grant's going to have to make an impact is that when he finds himself open, he's got to make those shots. Because I guarantee you in game two, there's going to be three or four times that Grant Williams, when he's on the floor, is going to be left wide open. He's got to prove that he can make those open shots. Hopefully he sinks those. Uh, one player who we're all agreeing is having had such an impactful performance last night was Jalen Brown. Uh, where do you see him factoring in the rest of this series? And is there any chance, if he continues to play like that, like he played getting them going in the second half, that he could actually take the finals MVP if the Celtics uh, win this thing? Well, sure. I mean, he was the catalyst in that fourth quarter. Um and look, Jalen early on in the game had a little bit of those Tatum-like jitters, too. He was dribbling into traffic a little bit, and I think I had some flashbacks of some of those turnover-prone games that Jalen has had in these playoffs. But to his credit, I mean, he, he kind of just stayed with it, and he stayed aggressive. And, you know, he's another guy that I thought in that fourth quarter wasn't settling for three-point shots, wasn't driving into traffic. He was just kind of taking what the defense was was willing to give him, and he was feeding off all that defensive attention that Jason Tatum had. So, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, right now the, the field is wide open for finals MVP, whether it's Al Horford or, hell, Derek White, I think, made a pretty strong case uh, in that game one. But, you know, Jalen Brown, they wouldn't be in this position if Jalen Brown didn't kind of set the tone for them in that first quarter, nailing, I think, it was a couple threes in the first two minutes to kind of uh, split that gap in half and made it competitive uh, uh, in that uh, late in that fourth. Oh, we're talking to Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated. And, Chris, you mentioned it. It's not as physical as Milwaukee, Miami. Um, it looked like they had a lot of good open looks. It looks like defensively, Clay Thompson's not the same guy. Jordan Poole didn't look like he had much of an effect. So I'll ask you, how much of what we saw last night was was real moving forward? Or are we getting too ahead of ourselves when we say, man, the Celtics look so good. This is a good matchup for them. They win this series easy. No, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Boston's the better team. I, I felt that going in. Um, what I didn't know was would the moment be too big for them? And that's that's an intangible that is tangible, for lack of a better way to put it. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they just you just don't know if players are going to be overwhelmed by playing on this stage. Golden State has 123 games in finals experience on that roster. The Celtics have zero. So you just don't know how they're going to react. But the Celtics, they reacted better than anyone could have hoped for. Not only did they not get overwhelmed in that first quarter, it was only a four-point lead after one. They rally and take a lead going into halftime, but they submit one of their what has become all-too-common clunkers in the third quarter, and they're facing you know a championship team. They rally from 12 points down to 
put a double-digit win on them. That's a team that is not overwhelmed by the moment. So I don't think they're going to see, you're going to see Al Horford shoot with the type of efficiency that he did in game one. I think Derek White will cool off at some point. But the flip side of it is Jason Tatum absolutely will be better in game two and going forward. And I don't think that this Warriors offense is going to get as hot from three as they were in the first half. So, look, I, I, I had some questions about the readiness the Celtics have for this moment. Those questions to me have been answered. And because of that, I fall back on my belief that this Celtics team is better. I take them to win in six. I stand by that, but I could see them winning in five as well. I, I just think they're the better team in this series. All right, there you have it, Chris. Wow. Listen, we always appreciate you stopping in with us and uh, talking a little Celtics. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the series, and hopefully talk to you soon. You got it, guys. All Thanks, right. Chris. Chris Maddox. Thanks, Chris. Harbor One Hotline from Sports Illustrated. All right, when we come back, Marcus Smart was mic'd up, and you heard Chris Mannix. He thinks that's it. Celts are a better team. They've already shown they can handle the, the bright lights. Do you agree with them? 617-779-7937. Here a little bit of Marcus Smart mic'd up. We'll do it next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.